You're listening to Good Morning, the podcast talking all things grief with honesty and humour. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. And we have got a very special episode for you today and two very special guests because we are joined by Ant and Ben, a.k.a. our significant others. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. (laughs) So you guys have obviously played a massive part in our grief. You've been there from the very first moment and you also edit our pod and do all of our web site and all of our technical stuff so you guys are pretty much part of team good morning we are, yeah. but we're not here to talk about your technical skills are we in no we're not we're here to talk about your perspective on grief and what your experience has been like dating two really griefy people um which we're going to get stuck right into today we put it out to our audience to let them know that you guys were coming on the pod and they were super excited so you guys have got some fans out there and nice. There was a lovely message that came in from someone called Laura, which we wanted to kick off and read this out first because it was really beautiful and great way to start this episode, I think. So here it is. She wrote in and said, Hey, girls, my question for Ant and Ben was too long for the box. So here is mine. I'm 36 from the UK and lost my magical mama six months ago yesterday. My husband and I have a beautiful one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. We are currently trying for baby number two, which hasn't happened in just under a year now. How do you cope with the pressure of grievance in various forms, the loss of our wonderful mother, mother mother-in-law and grandma, and then grieving the loss of something that hasn't happened for us every month? My husband supports me through it all, the mundane daily tasks, which are an uphill battle, the nightmares, the internal attacks, the all-consuming darkness. He may as well be walking behind me 24-7, picking up the remnants of my constant shattered grief bombs and forever changing moods. I feel like you guys can probably relate to this. (laughs) He doesn't say anything. He doesn't offer me solutions. He's just beautifully present and is the most incredible listener. He shows up every single day for his girls, but nobody really asks him how he is. Ben, my husband, is the centre foundation of our family's heart. So, how are you both, Ant and Ben? Truly, how are you? All my love and best wishes from rainy England, Laura. I love this message. So, so Ant and Ben, isn't it beautiful? It's so nice. I mean, you guys get lovely messages all the time. Um, but this is for you. This is yes, for us, yes. For you guys. How the bloody hell am are you? Truly. How am I truly? I'm a bit tired. I was up late, but um, I'm good. I'm very good. Yeah. Up late, like in relation what? to, like, you know, the, the, the grief scenario, it's, I've been on a journey with it. It's been vastly different to sales, obviously. But, um, yeah. like, Laura, I am well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Um, yeah, I think I think I'm okay. Nah, um, I, I think um, it's very different from me and Ant because we're dealing with two different grievers. I think Emmy's uh, very; uh, she's not very practical as a griever, and I think uh, here we go. We're going right right into the Sally's, deep stuff, you guys. Yeah, no Sally's, Sally's quite practical, so I feel like I was probably in a similar situation to was it Ben? Yes. as well. Um, I was sort of doing sort of the day-to-day and Emmy was walking behind me actually as, as a bit of a shadow um wow so it was I, I think I'm, I'm quite a similar situation I'm not sure about ants and, and sales but um yeah I, I see mine quite similar to the person that's just led that question in so but you're okay yeah, I think yeah I'm okay yeah yeah, yeah no, I, I, you're right. I, I, truly 
<laughs> at the beginning it was very hard I think but um, I think uh, as we all know it, you progress through it and um, yeah we're in a better place now for sure so yeah That's good I'm okay <laughs> we'd love to know guys because obviously we know who you are and what you do but for our listeners can you tell us who you are and what you do outside of me walking behind your shadow Ben <laughs> um, so, so, in the month of uh, Amy's grief, I decided to actually start up a business um, as well as uh, during COVID. So, um, I, st- I set up a web design um, app studio business. We deal with branding um, and, and various things, um, but also um, my background's predominantly logistics, freight forwarding. So, I kind of combine the two um, into the business, um, and yeah, that's what it is. It's just just coding and um, you know dealing with brands, and obviously we were integral part with the the Good Morning startup and and their logo and their messages and website. So that's that's pretty much my background. You're a clever lad. Oh, what about you, Antonio? What about me? Um, so yes, I um, have a media agency. Am I allowed to plug it? It's called Love Media. It's a team full of incredible human beings. We do media planning, buying, strategy, etc. Um, we also have a sneaker brand I'm working on and a board game, a uh, bit of a, a serial kind of doer of things. I have ADD as well as Sal. I'm sure everyone knows that she has ADD. So, um, yeah, I like having lots of different projects to work on. But, yes, I've got a bunch of things going on. But fundamentally, at the heart of it, it's Love Media. And uh, just making sure my team are incredibly happy all the time is my goal. You're a bit of an entrepreneur, aren't you? And it's fun times at our house, two ADD people trying to have a conversation. It's like flipping ping pong, isn't it? (laughs) Or watch a show or... (laughs) Yeah, and can we also talk about the fact that we washed our dogs with a biscuit last night, but yeah. With a biscuit? Both of you. How did you wash him with a biscuit? Oh, God. Albert needed a wash and... Sal was just got on one and she does like All right, it's gonna be washed gonna do it now and so couldn't find the soap and then she <laughs> was like oh I've got some soap and so she pulled this like bone shaped thing that had like a like to be fair like it had like the, it had like a it looked like a soap it, 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 kind of um, and so we were scrubbing and, and Sal was saying oh, it's not really lathering up and I was just like trying to get it done so I'm like oh yeah no nah, it's lathering up you're just going to do it in your hands it's going to do it vigorously but it wasn't really doing anything in my head I was like this really isn't good soap this is pretty crap soap um, and um, I was scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing scrubbed Peggy pulled her out scrubbing and scrubbing at Albert and then I just felt with my thumb the, the, the patch where I'd been scrubbing and it was hard and I was like Oh, what's going on? So I looked at it, and it's um, yeah, it was a biscuit. So basically, <laughs> it was a biscuit that had like I guess like a sugar coating on the top that looked like uh, wow. it could have been soap. And so we, we basically washed both the dogs with a dog biscuit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, right, so yeah, that, yeah, brain absolutely grief brain. Does Sal use the grief brain card all the time? Eh? Yeah. Yes. I don't think I've pulled a grief card. No, she doesn't have to because she's got the ADD card. I think that's fundamentally oh, the two. card. Yeah, we've switched lanes, guys. You know, it's the ADD card. What's well, either, right? She's got a couple of options up her sleeve. So. Yeah. I've got <laughs> if I need to get diagnosed, I think you've got diagnosed. Oh, mine would be anxiety or grief. Yeah, yeah, you've got enough things. Yeah. yeah. You don't need anything else to add I mean, to the mix. And you're really painting a great picture of me <laughs> for all of our listeners listening at home. <laughs> <laughs> and... 
And just to give a little bit of perspective on your relationship, Ben, can you tell us, like, how did you and Im meet? Like, what's the story? Um, so I was in a meeting in London, um, in, in a very boring meeting, actually. Uh, and I was sitting there and scrolling through Tinder um, <laughs> in, in the middle of a meeting. Yeah, and it was it was just swiping yes. Um, I wasn't really... No, I'm joking. Um, I was As just you guys have figured out... You're not then joking. You're <laughs> sarcastic. So take everything he says with a grain of salt. I was, no. Um, no, I was swiping, obviously. Um, and, and I was being quite thorough. Um, and, and me and Imi matched. We, we hit it off pretty well. And, um, yeah, from then it just sort of... We, we exchanged numbers pretty quickly, um, ended up going on a, a first date, um, and then, yeah, it was very different to anything that I'd, I'd sort of had before um, and any of the other Tinder dates I'd been on. Um, and I think back Any of the other million Tinder dates I think, you've been on? I think Tinder back then wasn't as, as crazy as it is now. Like, I think you could actually find someone um, to, to settle down with on Tinder, whereas I don't think that's the case now. Um, yeah, I think it's quite different, isn't it? And you guys, like, Im, you've been in London for two days, right? And you guys almost very nearly didn't meet again because of your Paris trip, is that right? Oh, my God, you've got such a good memory, did you, did you just land and then just start, like, swiping like crazy? I, mean, I wasn't mucking about. Yeah. <laughs> the girl that knows what she wants. She, no. She'd written land, down. Land, check in. Right. Yeah. Straight off the plane, Tinder, <laughs> swiping, done, in the bag. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I think it was probably a day. We let the jet lag pass and then jumped on Tinder. Um, but I don't know. I kind of just went over there on a whim. I was going with my best friend, Elle, who it was her original idea to go there. She has family in the UK and I'd just gone through a breakup. And I was like, you know what? Nothing to lose. Let's go. And we just packed up everything and got the two-year working holiday visa. Um, and I met Ben in the first week. And it was just... I. I'm a strong believer in fate and I feel like it was fully meant to be and that was my reason for going over there was to to find the one. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. What, yeah. Yeah, it was meant to be and you've got that manifestation list which is which you wrote before you went, didn't you, about what you were looking yeah. for in a partner and it is Ben to a T. So, yeah, it's a lovely Big story. Forehead, I love it. it? Yeah, Big also forehead. interesting surname and we've told our Inch. listeners before, be careful what you manifest because the surname <laughs> is Tongue. T-O-N-G-U-E. So, yeah, a really... Ben Tongue. I'm not going to say any more about party tricks or anything. Oh, my God. This is PG, Ben. (laughs) Also, you guys met on Tinder as well. Tell us about your little uh, romance story. We did. I mean, my story, I could go on for ages. But uh, (laughs) shall I tell it? Um, You tell it. I think we met, like, similar time to you guys as well. We met in, like, September 2015 on Tinder. So maybe we were... It was all happening for us at the same time. Were you swiping yes? Everyone yeah, well, no, see, I was slightly different. So I'd been single for quite a while, and I'm just like, I've always, I've never been very um, good at like the e, like, you know, chatting up girls and things, never really been my thing. And um, the the girls at work that I was friends with were like encouraging me to get on the apps, you know, give it a go, you know, it's been like a year and a half, like, give it a shot. So I just ran an experiment because in my mind, I was like, I had kind of come to a place where I was very happy on my own. Like I had, you know, I was very kind of comfortable with my own space and who I was. And I kind of had had accepted the fact that maybe like love wasn't something that was going to happen for me. Like just being practical in the sense of like, it doesn't necessarily happen for everybody, you know? Um, 
uh, and you know, it, it, if it was good enough for George Clooney, it was at the time because he's now married. But it, back then, if it was good enough for George Clooney, it was good enough for me, and I could live a bachelor lifestyle and be totally happy. So I did an experiment because, like, the 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 jigsaw puzzle piece that I was looking for was going to be pretty unique. I was like, so the odds of finding that on Tinder are probably, you know, near zero. So I did an experiment of sorts, and I I went on, like, it's just kind of classic me. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this, so I just sort of went all in. So I did. 11 dates with 10 girls in like two months or something like that right and and they were all lovely and um but like they just weren't the one and so i was done i was done with the app so i was kind of like cool i tried it i didn't find the one because i was sincerely trying to find you know the one but didn't find them so it was all good and i was fine with that and then um but during that time i had been doing um as opposed to Ben, who was just, yes, 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 yes. My thing was kind of like, no, 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 no. Um, I, um, I saw Sal come up. I remember seeing Sal's um, profile come up, but then doing no, because it was kind of like the natural um, thing. I remember thinking to myself, oh, shit, I didn't mean to do that. Um, oh. But then, like, later on, um, her profile came up again. So I went, like, very purposely. I was like, yes, that's that one. That's the one that I didn't mean to say no to previously. I was like, I, yes, I did yes. I left it, right? So I'd, I'd gone this day, so it's kind of, I'd given up. And so it was like a Saturday morning, and I get this bing, and it's a match. And I'm like, fuck, because I'm done, right? I, I've kind of drawn yeah. a line under this thing, but I was like, ah, but it's this, you know, this, this lady who I, you know, I lady. noticed. And <laughs> I just remember very vividly just sitting there and she, uh, on the balcony of the, of the clock hotel, and she just came up from behind me, put her hand on my shoulder, and I just looked at her, and I was just like, I just immediately was just like, oh, wow, like, Oh, and within five minutes, I'm messaging my mate going, dude, she's awesome. And then he's replying going, just don't fuck it up. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, but we had no plans. And then we just sort of went a little pub crawl. Just it was the most, you know, sort of improvising a fun evening. And that was that. And it was just like, oh, it's connected over music and bits and pieces. And then I was in pretty much um, day one. Uh, <laughs> by the end of it, I was just like, she's amazing. And. I want to be with her. Oh, babe, you're giving me a big head. I'm not going to be able to get oh, out of yeah, 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 yeah. this recording. Wow, it's true. It's true. Oh. I was out. I was very in from the start. Oh. Yeah. I think you yeah. know. And, and we... It's very different. It's very different when you actually meet the, the, the one, right? It's yeah. just not... Yeah. yeah, like for me, it was a sense of like assurity and just a sense of calm and like knowing. I didn't need validation from anyone else. I knew. And weirdly, um, and so Ant used to live on um, a street, Campbell Street in Sydney. And when I first moved to Sydney, I lived on the corner of Campbell Street, probably, what, 100 metres up from you? So oh, yeah. Lived, like, like literally a stone's throw if I threw a stone very hard. Um, yeah. Sliding doors. So weird. Which so we may, it, yeah. Yeah, we may have crossed paths before. It's about a year before we met. Because I would have sat in that, because like, I would definitely would have sat in that apartment thinking to myself, if she's out there, I wonder where she is right now. And funnily oh enough, God. she was uh, on the corner. On the corner, not like <laughs> not, that, though. Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the house. Working girl on the yeah. corner. <laughs> oh, love that. Very similar. So, so lovely. Mm. And, and yeah, it sounds like very similar in that serendipity kind of meant to be kind of way. But another question before we get into some of the more juicy questions. So we've told listeners about our mums and what they're like, but would love... For you guys to tell our listeners, like, what were our mums like from our from your perspective? Like, what was your relationship like if you had to describe them? How would you describe Rose, babe? Rose, I mean, love Rose. 
she was she was definitely an interesting character. She was um, she had uh, like, I mean one of my first experiences with Rose because Rose was obviously in the UK uh, and we were dating here was um, New Year's Eve walking down to the harbour to see the fireworks and Sal being on the phone with her mum who then wanted to speak to me and one of her first questions to me was at my age why had love eluded me so long so uh, you were 38 when we met right yeah 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 yeah. so there was an age gap and she so she was like you know so why has love eluded you for these so this these, this many years which is quite a confronting question <laughs> yeah. um yeah right very to the point um, I mean, I had a great answer for it, which was that I wasn't prepared to settle, and you know, I felt like I'd finally met met the, met the one for me. Um, but I don't just aside from that, she was just she's very inquisitive and very like you could tell she was always kind of thinking about things. I love that, right? Like just sort of inquisitive minds and things. But she was also just very sweet and very lovely and very caring, and you could tell that she adored Sal so much and. Uh, yeah, the the, the times because yeah, fortunately we did get to spend a few times together here in Australia and in the UK, and um, yeah, she was just like like my funny mother-in-law who was just like yeah, would just ask like really random, very specific but very random questions about things. And she'd be very inquisitive, wouldn't she? She'd be like, we'd be like, say if we we're out for dinner, she'd be like, why do you think that that there's an arch there? And we're like, oh my god, don't yeah, know, that doorway right? is the shape of an arch. Why do you think that is? It's not, it's not just so much like, oh, well, that's an interesting door. It's more like, why would that door be designed in that way? Yeah, wow. Uh, what you think? Yeah, she was, uh, and I like that kind of, you know, she just always sort of tried to look behind things, things and understand things. And uh, she was, she was very kind of sweet and kind of considered as a person but she drove like a boy racer didn't she yes she did yeah like, yeah yeah she yeah, would yeah. like mount curbs and and the scenic route she yeah <laughs> yeah she'd be on curbs yeah because she's very practical and very kind of you know very kind of safe i think with everything else except for the driving it just was uh <laughs> it, was, it was an adventure Love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about what about you, Ben? Tell us about Vanessa and what your relationship was like with her. I met um, Imi's mum when we came over to Australia for the first time for your sister's wedding. Mm. Um, and my initial impressions of her, like her mum, straight away sort of spoke very highly of me to me, <laughs> and, and really loved the relationship and said that you know that me and Imi, she saw us as a really good fit and things like that. But Imi's mum was very sort of out there. The way she'd talk, it'd be really like, oh, it's a beautiful day and it's all, you know, beautiful this, you know, that. So it's kind of, she was really, it's just really nice. And, and um, everyone loved her. She was sort of the a sort of person that once she, the, like you'd hear about her and everyone would sing all these praises of her and say how nice she is. And, and then, but when you actually meet, you, you kind of think, oh, yeah, I, I see this straight away. She's just such a warming, loving person. Um, and I, I, you know, I got to spend quite a bit of time with Imi's mum, obviously, when we moved to Australia. So um, I saw her as my Australian mum, you know. I, I, I got really close to, to Vanessa, um, you know, um, you know, we, we used to talk and spend time together. There was, and when the, one of the times when we came, I think it was actually when we were moving here, um, I actually came over on my own and Imi went via China to see Chris. Um, Chris. Um, and, yeah, I, I went straight to Vanessa's house and she was just so welcoming and we sat and had really good conversations. And she's very intelligent and she's very emotionally intelligent as well. And she was quite a good neutral. She's a neutral person, so... If I was 
to sort of talk to her about relationship things between me and Emmy. I didn't ever feel like she was siding with Emmy generally, because obviously you would, because it's your daughter, but she was very neutral. Um, mm. And that's what I loved loved about Vanessa. So, yeah, I saw I saw her as my, you know, Australian mum. For me, I had I had a I had a really um, good connection with Vanessa. Um, yeah, which which obviously made it very difficult. So. And what was it like for you guys? So we've told our stories from our perspectives, but we just want to like take it back a little bit to you know when we found out that news. Obviously, both Rose and Vanessa died suddenly. Um, and what was that like for you when Sal came in to tell you that her mum? Uh, it was a living nightmare, basically. I went from I went from fast asleep to the first thing I'm waking up to is Sal, in the, and I, I yeah, like yeah, it's tough to I could just hear the the the, the tone of her voice when she just comes in the room. She's like. My mum's died, like, but the way she said it, like, she's like, my mum's died, but, like, in this way, like, it just, you just wake up and it was this immediate terror, like, um, yeah. uh, just the sound of Sal's voice, like, it really, it would just replay over and over my head for days. Um, mm. uh, and then there was this whirlwind of getting Sal home, you know, because it was like, okay, and, you know, so I was out and I was getting her, you know, new suitcases and anything she needed to kind of get going and get on the plane and leave. And then, I, so it was just this, yeah, it was just this. It was shock. a shock. Not even the word, word. Like it was, it was terror. Like just to feel it. Like I just panic. It was just in panic mode straight away. And it's. I just have this memory of that day. And you know, when you look back on like moments and at the time like you don't see the kind of comedic the comedy of it but I remember like Ant FaceTiming me in like Target and he was like a game show contestant just shoving like because we were in summer right and we were going back to like winter in the UK so he's like tights you need tights like socks like and he's like throwing <laughs> in the basket like sweet bless him he was like yeah, so panicked like you know and I'm like yes yeah, yeah they do there and I'm like crying and rocking and like he's like fucking shopping for tights and you're like oh my god it was just what like happening yeah but it was this whirlwind so it was this panic and then a whirlwind for maybe like 24 hours max and Sal was gone mm. and then I was left and I don't have a lot of experience with grief. Like, my grandmother passed away when I was quite young. I would have been maybe seven or eight. And I was there when it happened in hospital. And I remember that. But, like, I don't I, I don't know how I... I remember the event, but I don't remember how it impacted me at the time. Uh, and I've not really had um, any exposure to it since then. Um, so... You know, obviously, my priority is Sal and getting her home and making sure she's got everything she needs and she's, you know, she's equipped and she's out the door. But then when she's gone, it's just me, and all I can hear in my head is Sal's voice. It's kind of my mum's died, like, but the way she said it, God, like, over and over, like, it actually messed me up. But I didn't want to, like, you know, I also was aware, like, uh, this isn't something I need to put on a Sal. Like, she's got, you know, a much bigger problem to <laughs> here than than me kind of having a little spin out. But yeah, I was just on my own for a couple of weeks um, processing that somebody that I knew and cared about had passed away um, in such a way. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was a lot actually. Like it really, I, I just recall just being very conscious of feeling that I'm really, f like for the first time I'm experiencing 
what it's like to lose somebody and um but not even at the scale that Sal would be right so I could, you know obviously it would be worse for her so yeah I could totally appreciate how bad it must have felt but yeah it was a, it was a lot you were so supportive and it was yeah it was it was a time wasn't it what about you Ben like Mm. Tell us about what that experience was like for you, because it's a little um, bit different, wasn't it? Because you, yeah, got yeah, it's it was very different. Um, I, I don't think there's, uh, I guess, every situation is is terrible, and um, every situation is completely different. Um, we were we were moving house um, at the time, and we were moving house for Imogen's mum. Um, we were kind of uh, moving so she could move in with us, and. You know, so we were kind of in in our heads, or my head was that I'm going to be, you know, developing this relationship further with him. His mum, and I was actually really looking forward to it. Um, being that all my family were in the UK as well, so I had no immediate family here. So, and I, I'm all about family. I've got a huge family, so um, I was really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I think what was really hard for me was I found out before me. So I was, we were moving boxes, and I get a phone call from. Emmy was sort of worried because she hadn't heard from her mum anyway um, and I was kind of that's fine Emmy you know she's probably dealing with stuff doing things that don't worry about it kind of thing and then I get a call from Emmy's sister saying Ben where are you and I was like well I'm moving house <laughs> like I'm with Emmy and she's like oh um, I don't know how to tell you this but you know Vanessa Vanessa's um, no longer here she's died um, and I just went pale I just went into complete shock i just stopped what i was doing i just walked outside and Emmy's looking at me going what 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 like i just didn't i couldn't tell her i literally oh. could not right i followed you outside yeah. like, tell me what's happened what's happened and I, you couldn't speak i so. couldn't tell her the news i couldn't yeah. be the person to say what had happened like it was i just knew that this was just tra- tragic this was going to change our lives and um so i passed the phone to Emmy's um stepdad chris and um and then he told Emmy. So mm. um, I just I just felt this impending doom. It just felt like, I, I don't know, it was just a complete blur. Like everything just stopped. The removalists were coming up to us going, where do you want these boxes? We're like, we don't care. Just, just get them in the house. Like we've had a bit of an issue. Um, so it was just a, a complete shock. I was pale. I just sat and cried. And, um, and all I wanted to do at that time as well was try and reassure Emmy. But obviously she had... Chris uh, and other people there speaking to her and holding her and obviously Emmy was devastating hearing Emmy's cry and scream and things like that was just uh, it was traumatic and all I wanted to do as well was ring my family and speak you know have my family and talk to my family but obviously this would have been really late at night so I was ringing around and um, nobody was answering um, and then my sister answered and obviously I spoke to her maybe sort of helped me a little bit but yeah, I just I just knew it was going to be um, a very very hard time, and um, again, like similar to Anne, I had I've experienced loss in our family, um, but even for me, this was a very different loss because I, I feel like you know it's mm-hmm. Emmy's, it's, it's my mother-in-law, um, it's Layla's grand- La- grandma. Yeah. So my daughter was obviously only six nine, m- nine, nine months. months at the time. Um, so, you know, and I really look forward to Layla spending time with her grandma, you know, because she didn't have, wasn't able to do that with her grandma in the UK as much because obviously it was so far away. So just everything was taken away from us within that one moment um, and literally just flipped the world upside down. Um, it was, it was, yeah, very, very hard. And, you know, and just trying to support 
Imi and say the right thing because obviously the circumstances around the death was very traumatizing as well and it was trying to you know help Imi and uh, ensure she's okay and obviously she wasn't um, yeah. so it, was, it was quite it was a mixture of emotions and um, obviously still trying to be practical because we were moving house so we had to suck it up and we couldn't just stop you know Imi could so we were just we just kind of, I just kind of let Emmy, um, you know, speak to her family, and then Maddie, her sister, turned up and things like that. And um, but the world was still turning the, for you. You had the, to yeah, navigate I, the I still had to navigate and... the removalist because they needed to know what to do. Also, and... setting up shit like electricity. Just think like things yeah, that you just doing whilst you're moving house. Yeah. And um, well, like for for months, we didn't even know where our clothes were because no. people. Luckily, a lot of people helped us. We had a lot of friends. They came over. They bought food. They um, didn't just bring flowers. And I think that's the great thing about what Emmy's friends did and family. They actually bought practical things over, like food and went shopping for us and put all our clothes away. All that. Um, although I couldn't find my stuff for three months, um, I was still finding stuff six months later. I was like, oh, my God, this is where my, where my shoes are. But um, it's but it's I found what was amazing about that was that if people were doing practical things and really helping us um, with practical things, uh, shopping and whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's... I feel like I had to literally sort of take over everything whilst Emmy mm-hmm. obviously went through that whole grieving process. And as I sort of mentioned earlier, she some people are practical grievers like yourself and Emmy wasn't a very practical griever. She, you know she literally shit, just ben. stopped. Yeah. She literally just stopped. <laughs> and um, I just remember walking around Bunnings to get stuff for the house because we needed, like, I think there was some lights out and stuff like that. And we went with one of Emmy's friends. And Emmy mm. just sort of walked behind us. Like, she didn't... It was just nothing. Like, literally, I was running around Bunnings, a bit like Ant running around getting your tights and stuff, just getting stuff that we needed, and Emmy just sort of tailored, you know, following behind. Just um, Just mm. in some zombie-type state, you know. She just didn't... Catatonic. I was like, catatonic. catatonic. Was... I couldn't talk. I was just in my head. Mm. But, you know, a lot of the listeners will know the rumination that I used to experience, like, the trauma response was ruminating, and I was mm. just... In my head, I didn't exist outside of what was happening internally for me for quite some time. So that was really hard for you to yeah. have a relationship with that, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah. I, it was, I was, I guess, grieving as well. Uh, and But obviously, Yimmy was, you know, 80 to 80% of the day, she was crying and distraught, right? And I found that very hard and challenging trying to navigate that because trying to say the right thing sometimes i did say the wrong thing you know it's not something and then i'd get angry and then she'd get angry and it's not something that you just know know how to do you don't know how to speak to someone who's grieving and mm. it's and it also depends on the type of loss as well and that, you know the type of person the relationship and and the loss and how it happened i think also um, determines mm. sort of how you navigate it so it's a huge learning curve for me but also you know trying to deal with day-to-day things obviously working trying to mm. bring the money in because obviously me um she wasn't working anyway because obviously she had layla so she was sort of getting back was going to start getting back into work but then obviously this major loss put a big mm. setback to that as well and um so it was yeah it was very very difficult it was probably it was one of the hardest times of my life i reckon and and, and i've never experienced anything you know i think my my life before that was pretty normal pretty normal and easy like um so get having something like that happen to you was quite life-changing and yeah it made you yeah. think the world very differently so 
it's a you know tra- absolutely tragic situation and i'm so proud of you both for how far you've both come um and how you've dealt with it and ben you mentioned just there that sometimes it was really hard to know what to say to him which i mm. think is really common with partners right if they haven't been through a loss or even if they have when it's something like a suicide loss even if you've dealt mm. with grief before it's really hard to know what to do or say. And you said sometimes you did say the wrong things, which I think, again, is normal. Of course, we're going to say the wrong things at times, right? But what helped you figure it out? What helped you learn how to navigate him and her grief, her grieving style, and and kind of help her? Yeah, I think um, trial and error, I think, was obviously realising, yep, that was the wrong thing to say, and then obviously adapting what I was doing. I did... As much as Imi doesn't probably think I did, but I actually did Google and Aww. search for ways to help Imi through her grief and also for myself because mm. I, I felt like I'd, I'd lost... It was a big loss for me as well. Although she wasn't blood-related, I still saw her as direct family. She was direct family, you know, and I, I already developed a huge relationship with her so yeah i was googling i didn't find a lot of help out there and i think that's half the reason you sparked up your podcast because Mm -hmm. it was very hard to actually find anything um i i again um none of my family had gone through i mean my in not even my mum and my my mum has lost her mum and dad you know what i mean so not even my mum has lost her mum so I, I couldn't speak to my mum and sort of get any advice from her on how to, to navigate that, you know? And at the time, my dad still had his mum. So it it was... I, I didn't really know anybody that was in this situation. And mm. same with Imi. It was really hard to find someone that... It, it helps to speak to someone that's gone through something very similar. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't have any of that. So I think... I basically learned my, you know, reading things. I taught myself. Um, I navigated it myself. Um, it was very, very hard because I was juggling day-to-day practical things as well. But um, I got and a, a nine-month-old, uh, like you know, just uh, just throw a, a pretty much a newborn into the mix, you know. Like COVID, you guys, like and COVID, COVID well, just yeah. you know, why not? So we had, we, yeah, dealing with COVID and lockdowns as well, yeah. and. Um, I had I take I taken forty percent pay cuts from work. I didn't have BTAS at the time, so you know I was, I was getting sixty percent of my normal income. So you know we were technically getting into debt a bit as well. So mm. I was relying on you know we had we did have help from family as well. And Emmy's um, best friend actually raised some money for my family to come over from the UK. But obviously because of COVID, they weren't able to fly. So that money actually helped us. Survive. You know, survive in the end so um <clears throat> very very difficult and as i say there was a lot of moving parts to it um that didn't help so i don't know if you can relate to this <clears throat> and but i know for me so <clears throat> my mum was sort of my go-to for everything for my emotional <clears throat> support like ben said she was really like emotionally intelligent <clears throat> and able to give me advice all the time when i needed things and then when she died and obviously i'm a new mum I just, I lost that support. And so yeah. I feel like I started to turn to Ben mm. for that. And it just put so much, like obviously all the stuff that he's gone through, he's got so much on his plate financially, everything like me now needing that emotional support 24 <laughs> seven as well to get through this grief. Like it nearly fucking broke us. Yeah. And well, like, I don't know if you guys had a similar experience or was Sal kind of better at outsourcing that support or do you feel that kind of extra pressure to kind of be there 24-7 for her? 
through that? Um, I mean, yeah, definitely. I knew that I was going to... I knew that I was going to have to be there for her. Obviously, not even like I had to be there for her. I wanted to be there for her. I think for me, like, the thing... Like, it was a different situation just in terms of, like, what was going on around me in the mm-hmm. sense that, like, you know, I had my own company and I had... You know, I could be present, you know, and that was great. Um, you know, I didn't have to be anywhere because I'm, you know, I'm the boss. Um, but I found this because, you know, like like um, I've been, like I was Googling, like, you know, things and trying to figure out stuff. And I came across, and it was like a poem or a short story or something about grief that it connected with me. And I shared it with Sal. And it was this thing about... Um, like uh, being like a shipwreck and you know the boats come apart and you're in the ocean and you're clinging on for dear life to you know the bits of the boat that are still there and these waves come through and there are these humongous crazy waves that come and they smash into you and then a minute later another one and it smashes into you and you feel like you're drowning and you feel like you're completely being tossed around over and over and over and over again and that's grief and that over time, the gap between those waves starts to increase slowly. So over time, maybe it's a couple of minutes between waves and then maybe it's a day between waves, you know, and that's grief, right? So I kind of was like, for me, it was just a really good analogy. You know, it kind of really clicked with me. Um, and so I kind of knew that, well, that's what Sal's going to be going through. So mm. in a way, I'm going to be going through that in a sense too. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm drowning, uh, I don't feel like I'm clinging on for dear life, but I'm right there ex- watching it happen for Sal. Mm. Um, but I also knew that it wasn't... I believed it, basically. I believed that I believed that to be true. I was like, that makes sense to me, that that's probably how grief will work. That the waves, even now, right, like there's probably really prolonged periods of time where there isn't these kind of crashing feelings of grief and you kind of feel like, oh, I'm sweet. There's a wave coming. You know, I think there's always going to be a wave coming eventually. There's one last week, wasn't there? And it's, you know. Yeah, like there'll always be a wave eventually, even if you think, mm-hmm. oh, cause I, so I don't think there's ever like a, you're done. There's always going to be a wave. So I, I just kind of, that's how I, I approached it. I was just like, yeah. all right, I'm going to buckle in. Um, but also just communicating and, and, and asking her what she needed me to do and, 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 and then just doing that, yeah. you know, without question. And I think it's a little bit different, like, because me and my mum, like, and I've openly spoken about this on the pod, like, our relationship was getting better as I as we got older, but I have always been, like, fiercely independent. And I think because I didn't have, you know, there was difficult family dynamics and I didn't, me and my mum weren't always really close. I think I probably rely on emotional support from my friends and aunt more. Like, I did have emotional support from my mum, but she wasn't my only source of it. Like, and because we obviously didn't live near each other... That I think Amp was probably had already been more of my emotional support anyway, so yeah. there wasn't too much of a step change. Maybe it was amplified a little bit, but it wasn't like the dynamic changed massively. Um, because yeah, my mum was a real source of, of of comfort and support, but it was I think the dynamic was different and so like because of the distance and circumstances and stuff. So. Yeah, actually, yeah, I would say that it, it didn't have a massive impact like that. But, you know, it was challenging, I think, for you with me, you know, the ups and downs and the... Yeah, it was. But it's kind of like, you know, you've, you you see it once or, once or twice and then you recognise it after that, you know, like mm. the, the mood shifts and things and you go, oh, OK, that's that now. I get it. Yeah. Um, but also, like Ben was saying, I mean, the salad is very practical. Like, 
I mean, it's kind of cute and funny at the same time, even though it's quite tragic. But, you know, she's got these boxes. She has these two boxes full of memories, basically, of Rose, filled to the brim. And she would just toddle off with her boxes, <laughs> you know, pick up her boxes, and, like, go into the bedroom. And, like, she was going to go in there and she was going to just get in and jump into all the cards and notes and photos and be upset, you know, and she'd just go do that. It's called having a grief session. Have a grief session. Yeah, exactly. You walked in on me one time, didn't you? Yeah, I walked in on her and just sort of. Yeah, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go now. (laughs) I I would sometimes not say anything, but I'd see her toddle off with the box under her arm and I'd be like, oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, Amy wouldn't look at anything for a while, really. I mean, would you? You wouldn't even look at pictures or anything. Yeah, she was very different in that way. She just kind of like. yeah, just was like, no, I don't, I don't want to see any of it. Like, and that was probably for a good yeah. three or four months, maybe, maybe longer. But I will say, like, because I did every, I kind of expected Ben to help me every time I had a grief bomb or every time I was, you know, when I knew I probably needed a grief sesh, but back then I didn't know that I what I needed to do with those emotions, and so I'd be like, I wanted Ben to like physically hold me or hug me, and if yeah. he didn't, then I'd get so mad at him for not reading the cues, and I needed, you know, some I needed some sort of comfort and support. I I, I was just looking to him to give me that when he'd be in the middle of working, and it just wasn't convenient, and then that would cause so much friction in our relationship. Mm. And the one thing, the one piece of advice that's so simple that like saved our relationship, I think is the Sally Sally, yes was Sally but a counselor at the time I talked about this feeling like I wasn't getting what I needed from Ben and I felt resentment and I felt anger and I felt you know disappointment even though he was such an amazing support now I know that like I was uh, my my expectations were so unrealistic so she basically just said lower your expectations look for that elsewhere because Ben's obviously got all of these other things that he's trying to do to keep you guys afloat he can't fill every single role and that to me landed because I was looking to him to fill the role of my mum and that's impossible like he can't do that so then I was like okay I'm gonna go look for that comfort that I need outside of us because he can't be all those things that I need him to be and that's actually really fucking normal and I was mm. expecting way too much for him. So then I started doing what Sal was doing and like going off and having that grief time by myself privately and like trying to look internally for that strength to get through those moments where the emotion felt unbearable and also reaching out to support. That's how we met Sal. It's like I just I needed someone to kind of to bounce off with and someone to connect with and understand and maybe, yeah, give me a little bit of that comfort and reassurance that I needed. And that, I think, saved our relationship was when I just had that shift in perspective of what his role was in my life. Yeah, because I I noticed a big change when you you met Sally. Like, it actually, you know, it actually did change the dynamic. Um, So that's why I was saying earlier, it's good to relate to someone that has gone through it as well. And obviously... I, my mum's around, so I haven't gone through mother loss. So I, I, I didn't have any advice, and I hadn't gone through a major loss either. Whereas obviously you have, so you you were able to help me navigate that, and obviously took that sort of mm. part off me a little bit as well. So it did. I did notice the shift mm. at, at that yeah. point. And I think as well, you know, I'd love to know how you how has our grief evolved from your perspective. Obviously, Im and I started the podcast like a month or so into our meeting so our friendship our relationship has grown as good morning has grown but obviously our grief has evolved too like how have you like what are the changes that you've seen in us that's a big one i mean because 
you guys got into like the pod happened. You've never left the space, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But you've also been at it at a not just a practical but a theoretical level as well. Like in the discussions that you have with you know you know specialists in this area and things, and like you're writing a bloody book. You know, like there's a lot of like the understanding the psychology and what happens in the brain and. I think has been quite an interesting journey for you too, because, because mm-hmm. like it's, it's it's super important to understand why you feel the way you do and and what's happening to you in, inside that makes you you know you behave the way you are. So I think for you guys, your journey I feel like has evolved for Sal at least. You know, the sadness is you know was obviously very present, very 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 present daily, um, but over time I think that's moved into a place like. I think you guys are really, really, really well equipped in a sense, and I think you've probably processed grief more than most people probably would because, in a sense, you've been studying it off the back mm-hmm. of it. You know, like no people people don't just study it; they kind of get through it as best they can is probably all they can hope for. But whereas you guys have kind of really been inadvertently studying mm-hmm. grief, so so yeah, I mean that's the shift I think I've seen is. I think a more, you know, a practical understanding of of, of it because mm-hmm. it's such a fucked up thing. Like there's like, like just even listening to you guys talk, I'm just like, God. Like I remember wanting to say to Sal, I'm so sorry that this has happened, and I and I, ho- I hope this never happens again, right? But it, you, when you say that, in your head just realize what a ridiculous statement that is because of course it's going to happen again, like and it's going to happen lots again, and it's mm-hmm. definitely going to happen to me at some point. Like any minute, I could get a call right now that you know. One of my parents has passed away. Yeah. Like, God, that's depressing to think about. But yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's like, like every single person is going to experience this. Which is why we're so passionate about the work we do. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. like one day, one of us, unless we die in an accident together, like one of us is going to have to experience the other one passing away. I hate the idea of that. Like, I really do. So I'm going to get myself downloaded or plugged into Neuralink or cryogenically frozen or something so I can live forever. (laughs) Moral of the story is this, everyone listening, just don't die, right? And, like, (laughs) no one die ever again. Ben, I mean that would be great if we could if we could make that happen. I'm absolutely here for that. Um, Doesn't sound like fun. Well, no, it's definitely not fun. I think anyone listening can attest to that. Fun is not the word that yeah, we are um, going to associate Let's just not do with grief. Yeah, like with your business brain, if you can make that your next business venture, that would be fantastic. Go for it. Yeah, Go great. On. Okay, we'll wait to hear back from you. Um, so. Ben, like, you know, you, you, you've told us how, for him, she was a shell of her former self. You know, she was ruminating, like, the world for him had stopped. She'd lost her yeah. biggest emotional support. It was dark, very, very dark yeah. time for you both. How, ta- talk us through the, you know, since starting Good Morning and kind of tell us about him and, and her journey and what the changes that you've seen in him. Yeah, I think, um, I think Emmy was is a very strong character anyway in in general um previous to her mom dying she was um always quite ambitious and always wanting to you know do her own thing and and get further in life and and progress her career um i think when she obviously when the loss happened um that 
sort of disappeared for a while and I think she'd become very sort of depressed and down obviously and um, mm -hmm. demotivated um, and I, I, the, the sort of turning point for me was I, I, as I, and I've said this before I think was obviously meeting you and obviously first of all um, going through something similar um, and, and discussing that with someone and then obviously you both picking up a, a, an idea uh, that, and, and, and realizing there's not enough support out there for this this thing that happens all the time and that people don't deal with it and people don't know how to deal with it. Um, and I think that was what I think was the, the a big turning point for me. For me. And um, I think, you know, spinning up Good Morning and, and, and doing that research and, you know, speaking to people that have gone through grief and all of the people that you've had on the podcast has really helped Imi find a purpose and, and actually make something out of such a negative thing in her life um mm. it doesn't necessarily mean everyone has to do it this way like you don't have to turn grief into something you know you can just yeah. grieve um but i think um it's actually made imi find find some purpose in life and find mm. this is something she wants to do help people she obviously it sounds a bit weird to say that grief is interesting, but it's it. I guess it is quite interesting in terms of all the different types of grief, how people grieve. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's. I think it's been great, and I think it's. Um, you know, Emmy's back again. Like she lost. Emmy's quite a funny, energetic person, and and she's you know very light-hearted, and she um you know she she's fun. Um, and and cry. I think I think obviously <laughs> when that happened with her mum that disappeared for six months I, I feel like i lost emmy for a good six months um i even lost myself a bit because i was just i was just operating i was just a, surviving I was just, right i was just doing the day to day you know and even i lost that and um you know and covid stopped socializing and me i wasn't able to go football or go gym or anything like that so i had no outlet either so um, I think this gave me, as I say, a hobby, a purpose. Um, you know, she's evolved, and um, and the things, that, and I think, you know, it's been it's been great, and I think it's um, there's been some great positive um, things that have happened from Good Morning, and you guys help a lot of people. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like that was the huge turning point. And um, yeah. although she's still grieving, she has a grief session. <laughs> she have a grief session, things like that. Um, she deals with it differently. It's sort of that 30-minute period, and then that's it. And then she gets on with life, you know. it's Express. I think, Express yeah, I think, I think Imi's biggest problem was feeling, I don't know, like she shouldn't be happy. Like, mm, why, the guilt she shouldn't be happy. Why, yeah, mm. why, why? We talked about that in episode two, actually. Yeah, so. I think that was a, quite hard for me because I was kind of like, you know, you, sh you still need to live yeah. life. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, you found that good balance now, and that's obviously through your research and yeah you know mm -hmm. good morning so yeah. there was there was one thing i just want to quickly ask you guys before we wrap mm -hmm. up because i'm conscious of the time but like how did the grief show up for you we've talked a lot about how sal and i grieved but how did you grieve and and because you were supporting us did you feel like there was space for you guys to grieve and um for me it was uh very contemplative i found i was just in my head um, processing and thinking. There was just a sadness and there was, and I guess this is the way I operate, I was just kind of a lot of just thinking and listening to listening to that within myself and you're know, hearing it and trying to understand it and um, 
yeah, it was. It was very, but at the same time, I really felt like it was just was not something I needed to bring up with Sal, particularly you know because it was really from when it happened and like I said, she was gone in twenty four hours. Like the 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 toughest part was that the yeah, the first couple of weeks where mm. I was on my own and just having to navigate my emotions around it because it was all new for me. You know, I've never I've never never felt that before. Um, but at the same time, it was just like there's no like. It's just a me thing. I can't. I'm not going to give this to Sal. So in terms of like, yeah. did I feel like there was room for me to grieve? I didn't want to make room for for anything relating to my grief because I knew whatever it was that I was going through was a fraction of what she would have been going through. And she doesn't need to be concerned about me, you know. Like, so that was how it felt for me anyway. Did what you about have you anyone to talk to? Like, did you have? Not really. Like, I just, for me, it was just about listening to myself and acknowledging it, you know, like it's a thing and it's a new experience and it doesn't feel great at all, but like it's a thing and just the rational, rationality of it that this is, this is a, like it's a bloody warm up to a much bigger event, right? Like, it's your starter course, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like this is just a, 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 a taster of, of what, <laughs> what is likely going to end up happening down the, down the line, which sucks. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, not really, but I was right. Mm, what about you, Ben? Yeah, I, I felt like um, for me, again, uh, being quite practical, or had, being having to be practical, I had no choice. Um, Otherwise, we just wouldn't have been able to survive. I think I, it didn't give me a lot of room to, to grieve. Um, and I felt like a lot of the time I was obviously trying to support Emmy. So whenever I was sort of trying to trying to grieve, maybe I was... I was, I was and I didn't want to get upset in front of Emmy either because I didn't want that to trigger her. And um, mm. and But I actually think that me getting upset or her seeing me upset, that actually probably... Um, she, she, not that you like to see it, but it was... Um, you know, for you probably, um, you know, you know, I cared and, uh, you know, I'm really feeling it emotionally and I'm not just this sort of, you know, blank, blank book. Well, she's not going through it alone, you know, like, I think one thing that I know used to come up a lot and it used to be like a cause of a lot of arguments between us back in the early months of grief which was when I'd be, like, upset and I'd say... You'd say something and I'd be like, you don't get it, like, it wasn't your mum. And yeah. you and I'd tell you that you don't understand, but you're, that would really trigger you. And you used to yeah. be like, I'm feeling it too. Like, I loved your mum too. And I feel so awful that I said that back to you back then. But I think I was just angry and I was like... Yeah. Just, you know, I had so much anger in the early months, but I think that caused a lot of tension between us because then you felt like your grief wasn't validated yeah. i wasn't validating your grief i felt like you were validating the enormity of my experience and it just would just explode it was it was almost like a grief competition it was like my, <laughs> we grief, competitive my grief was worse than yours sort of thing and well i um, think that could be common you know like in relationships yeah. but also i remember aunt saying like i think he'd come to the uk for the funeral and i remember i was frantically like trying to clear my mum's house out and get all this shit done and I remember Ant saying like I'm really struggling and I remember thinking you're fucking struggling mate yeah. like um but then like I'm feeling yeah. yeah but then like a little bit further down the line I was like well that's fair enough of course he's going to be struggling like not only yeah. is is he having to now deal he's at the front line of grief you know he's on in the trenches with me but also he 
he's lost someone that meant something to him and he's seeing, you know, his wife has changed, you know, like you were saying, Ben, like, you know, mm. you're not the same vibrant person that you were or some people might be, but, you know, you, you are, like, different. And But I think when you're in the early, very, very early stages of grief, all, the, all that you can think about is your grief, right? So when someone else says... Oh, I'm you know I'm feeling it, and they're not at the epicenter of it. You can feel like it can be like what, but it's absolutely you know all everyone's grief is valid, and um, it's it's interesting. It's been so good to have you guys on, and thank you oh, for welcome. sharing your experience with us and sharing your yeah the dynamic I think this is going to be really helpful if any listeners have got a partner or someone in their family and you know you're grieving definitely share this with them because hopefully some of this will resonate with with other people and the people supporting you might feel seen and heard as well because like you guys said like there's not often a space that you guys can turn to or somewhere or someone that you can talk to as the supporter right oh spin-off podcast Ben Oh yeah, and yeah. Ben. I, know. I mean, you guys are bloody naturals at this. Let's do a let's do a podcast. Yeah. If what, there's any listeners out there who want some, you know, advice as well, just message the girls and I can if you want to ask me any question or Ben a question, I'm sure we'll be happy to answer back via the socials through the girls. Great. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thank you. Love that. Um, oh, it's been yeah. it's been so good having you guys on. I've loved this chat, and I've, uh, it's been a nice experience for us. I think reflect and see how far we've all come individually and as couples too. And just want to say a huge thanks to you two for being our support through all of this and for sticking with it because we know it wasn't it wasn't easy and you didn't sign up for that shit. And even though it is a part of life, it's really fucking hard. Yeah, it so is. Thanks. It is. But that's what we're here for. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's what we love you guys. Love you too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, guys, hope you've enjoyed the app. Um, like Ant said, if you've got any questions or if your partner's got any questions and you just want to reach out, then send us a DM and the lads will answer. And yeah, maybe we'll do our own grief tip Tuesday or something. Uh, yeah, grief tip Tuesday with Ben and Ant. Breathing yeah. Ben and Ann. I mean, look, we're on to something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, guys, we hope oh. you enjoyed it, and we'll be back in your ears soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. As always, a huge thanks for tuning in, guys. We really hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode. And before we go, we have a little favor to ask. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcast, as it really helps other grievers find us too. Until next time. Bye.